I've, I've been learning some really sad stuff. Um, I'm, I'm doing uh, an episode about someone who claimed to be Jack the Ripper. He wasn't. But one of the things that came up during the research was the fact that apparently it was very common um, for um, babies to be thrown in the Thames. You'd give, you'd give birth, you'd smash in the baby's face so that there were no way that... Identifying features. Yeah, and then you'd just throw it in the Thames because there was no such thing as DNA. And then you'd swear black is blue that, you know, oh, we we wouldn't, we never had a baby. Humans are the worst. Yeah. And they were talking about hundreds a year would just wash up. So at least that doesn't happen now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then I got into looking at baby farms and I was just really disappointed that you could, you know, you could be a registered baby farm. It's like those two things shouldn't go together. Yeah. I'm going oh. to refer you back to my original humans are the worst <laughs> It's the catch-all that you use, isn't it? Well, you know, if people would not be the worst, I wouldn't say it. This is true. <laughs> Come on, people. Yeah. Well, Stop just... being the worst. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote, and this is Consistently Eccentric, a podcast where I will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from British history, focusing specifically on the lesser-known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with... Oh, God. But no... Because this story takes mm-hmm. place actually in the Dark Ages. Oh, okay. And as a result, we actually have to put a disclaimer on it that many of the facts... <laughs> Maybe uh, nonsense. <laughs> well, available for the Dark Ages, they were sparse at best, and the story is pretty much um, just a story. But it's a good story, so on we go. Yeah. Your three words. Go on. Wooden. Mm-hmm. Thong. Wedding. Okay. <laughs> I'm assuming thong meant something different back in the day. <laughs> well, we we are going to see together. <laughs> Wooden thong wedding. Mm. Because Amish people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As soon as the Romans left, the Amish moved in. Uh, no, so they haven't changed since. <laughs> we're going to start with the bit that we can be pretty certain of uh-huh. to sort of set the scene. So. By 383 CE, common Mm. era, the Roman Empire was collapsing under its own immense size. The twin issues of constant infighting and roving Germanic tribes were proving to be too much. God bless the Huns. Well. Or not. (laughs) If you got past the roving Germanic tribes, you get to a small outpost on the edge of the known world. And the Roman general in charge of running Britain at the time was called Magnus Maximus. Strong name. <laughs> big, big. Yeah. Who is he? Oh, he's the biggest. Well, he definitely thought he was the biggest because he saw all the problems going on in mainland Europe and he decided he should abandon his solemn oaths and duties to take advantage of the situation. He marched across Gaul and established himself as the Western Roman Emperor which was apparently a thing that people kept claiming they were. Oh, yeah, it was earlier on, wasn't it? Um, Hadrian split the empire, didn't he? Well, There was was the Eastern Eastern Augustus and Western Augustus, and and they had a junior as well, didn't they, a Trajan? I I don't know Roman history. So I was shocked because I thought there was an emperor, and then they were like, there's an Eastern Emperor and a Western Emperor, but sometimes there isn't a Western Emperor and there's just an Emperor. And then someone else will say, I'm Western Emperor. And the Eastern Emperor will either be Roll able with to... with it or attack you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you just have to say that you're Western Emperor and see what happens. Mm. 
he succeeded in becoming the Western Roman Emperor, but whilst out of Britain, his forces lost control of the north and west of Britain. Because, you know, we never stopped fighting the Romans. <laughs> and when I say north and west of Britain, what I mean, of course, is Scotland and Wales. Um, Maximus heard this distressing news yeah. uh, and shrugged. And- it's, yeah, it's, it did the sensible thing. Went, oh, no, the rain. What will we do without the rain? <laughs> he, he went, oh, oh, no, and decided he was going to go and try and invade Rome itself to become the undisputed heavyweight emperor of, of the Roman the world. world. <laughs> you, can, you can imagine that. But that the, could have been a contender. <laughs> the, the Brits are revolting. Well, I'm not going back there, so let them... Yeah, Who cares? specifically got out. I, I want to live in Italy. It's warm there, and we have culture. Have you seen the Horrible History movie? Horrible Histories movie? No. It's, it's really, really, really ironic, because Lee Mack plays a... Um, you, know, the horrible, you know the Horrible Histories TV show? You must have seen yeah, that. Well, no, I know the books. Right, well, there's I'm going to te- sound like that dick. No, I, I read the books. Yeah, well, the books like are irrelevant. I mean, they're not irrelevant because it's very much in the same sort of spirit, but it's a kids' TV show. Aiden was into it for a while. And the movie is like is basically like a sort of potted history that like stops to spit out facts and then weaves a narrative. Anyway, it's, fu- it's quite funny. And uh, Lee Mack plays a centurion who's like, the gag about him is every time somebody mentions like what he wants to do with his future, he's like, I'm going to... Uh, I think, you know, I'll be rewarded with land in Britain for my service, you know, for service to Rome. Ah, oh, Rome, where the, where, the, where the wine flows from the vine. You know, he's just like, he, he's in love with Rome and he wants to go back, but he can't because he's in the... It's, it's quite funny. <laughs> anyway. Ah, oh, Lee Mack, another Southport native. So, we, yeah. yeah. He once said on record that Southport was the best town in the world, so now I don't trust him. <laughs> yeah. he's, he's clearly an idiot. But... <laughs> well, he's on drugs at the very least. He's our idiot, <laughs> which I'm fine with. That's okay. I don't know, mate. He went to Stanley, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lost a bit of respect for him, but there you go. Um, so, anyway, our big Maximus, biggest, biggest, Ma- yeah. Magnus Maximus. <laughs> biggest, biggest. <laughs> I promised I wasn't going to do any live, right? <laughs> Is there something funny about my friend's name? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One more. He wanks as high as any in Wome. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're done. Uh, they, yes. they knew us so well. The Monty the Pythons. They knew us so well. <laughs> so anyway, biggest, biggest. Yes. Magnus Maximus, hmm. Western Roman Emperor. He he turned up in Italy and he said, come on then, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Uh, <laughs> it turns out... The Germanic tribes absolutely were hard enough. No, it wasn't the Germanic tribes. It was it was the Roman centurions. Um, he lost his first battle, <laughs> and because he got a good contract, he had a mandated rematch. <laughs> but he also lost that, and Ugh. unfortunately, there was a stipulation that if he lost two in a row, he would be executed. Yeah, traditionally the Praetorian Guard became the sort of like. You know. Oh, you've you've backed away from the mic. Sorry, this I'm is... just stretching my back. I've got. A... Oh, this, these chairs become uncomfortable after a while. Right, yeah, I'm back. Um, I'm sat on a bench. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> oh, good. The cat has discovered knocking things off the countertop. Nice. Yeah, so he, he was em- executed by Emperor Theodosius. And when mm. I say executed by Emperor Theodosius, I assume Emperor Theodosius said, 
Oh yes, kill him. <laughs> I don't think he actually swung the sword. The man who the man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. But because of all this kerfuffle, Western Eastern thing, mm-hmm. neither Theodosius or his son, Honorius, or Honorius. <laughs> Sorry, I, really I don't know why sh- that's funny. I really me, should learn to pronounce these things before. Nobody knows how to pronounce them. It's a best guess situation. Okay, so Honorius had the resources to retake the areas of Britain that Maximus had lost. And by 420 CE, Honorius, he pretty much decided it wasn't worth the effort. Sot this, sot this island. Yeah, this, we're spending how much on defence in England? The fu- what do you mean the Caledonians? Who the hell are they? What, do they have anything we want? No, it's it's more that they're there <laughs> and they're angry. Well, he just thought sod it, and he pulled all the troops back from Hadrian's Wall, leaving practically no Romans in the entire country. Mm-hmm. There were a few. Sort of in the south, um, yeah, east, and, but yeah, and, generally and speaking, they just a bunch gone. of semi-Romanized Brits. Yeah. Yeah. You you want it? Fine. Yeah. <laughs> See how you do. Uh, the few that were left behind, they banded together under another guy who wanted the title of Western Roman Emperor, Constantine. Right. Uh, and he crossed the channel to gather support because apparently yeah. that's what you do. You say yeah. you want to be Western Roman Emperor and immediately start travelling east. <laughs> which makes no sense to me, but there you well, go. Well, I get it. So, <laughs> if, I wanted to be, if I wanted to be important in the modern world, I wouldn't be in Britain. <laughs> the Brits, of course, under the stipulations the Romans had, they had been told that they had to rely on the Romans for defence. Mm. So when the Saxons, the Angles and the Jutes... Uh, started to invade and started to have a little poke, see what they could do. Um, the British tribes asked the remaining few. I'm guessing this is like your your D team at this point, Romans. <laughs> the ones, the ones who've been pensioned off with the with the tracts of land and stuff. Yeah, the will, the Lee Max of this world. Um, <laughs> the Romans shrugged the shoulders and went, "Well, we don't know." So the Brits kicked them out, and they decided that instead of relying on Constantine's cronies, they go back to the source and they would ask Emperor Honorus himself to help them out and they made this appeal directly in 410 CE. Uh, Honorius, he was uh, a bit preoccupied by the fact that there were barbarians sacking Rome at the time. (laughs) Absolute best time for an audience. (laughs) It was the worst time to ask him for support. Uh, What? Ting, ting, ting. I'm literally fighting barbarians. (laughs) (laughs) What, what do you mean they want an answer now? Bloody upstart. Um, from, his, from his point of view, he'd be like, oh, God, there's more barbarians here. Oh, they want to talk. What? Yeah, so um, he, he wasn't in a position to help, and he dashed off a quick message telling the Brits, you need yeah. to look to your own defences. And this was pretty much the end of Roman involvement on the British Isles. Mm. The British tribes, they'd not needed to rule themselves for nearly 400 years by this point. And as they saw the Picts, Saxons, Irish, Jutes, Angles, and all the rest, Caledonians, preparing to start taking their stuff, they decided they needed to do something drastic. So they girded their loins and they picked up a pen and they wrote to Rome again. (laughs) Unfortunately, the Romans had sorted out the barbarians, but they were now a bit busy dealing with a fellow from the east by the name of Attila. <laughs> and again, they said they didn't really have the resources 
to come over and help. <laughs> yeah. So eventually the penny dropped and nobles from dozens of warring factions began consolidating bases of power across the country. This resulted in a state of constant conflict. Yeah. You know, the dawn of the Dark Ages. Yeah, I'm sure it was amazing for your average peasant or your farm labourer. They were loving the fact that, you know, land was changing ownership on a daily basis. There was no rules. Anarchy! Mm. Unlike An- the later terribly named Anarchy under Stephen and Matilda. Oh, that was, yeah, the Anarchy. You mean the no-score draw? <laughs> where, where the most chivalrous man was in charge for most of the time and, in fact, would have violently prevented Anarchy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, honour dictates that I may not stop her rebelling. However... <laughs> I'll be damned if the police won't run, run well. Yeah. We will stand around and we will allow her to rebel. There will be no kettling of Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless her. But, you know, this was the start of the Dark Ages. Everyone was so busy fighting and scheming, they had no time to write anything down. And it's from this point that the veracity of this story is sketchy at best and may or may not involve an actual wizard. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's get loose with history. <laughs> so, after a few decades of the Romans no longer being there to enforce order, one warlord from Kent had managed to carve out a pretty impressive chunk of territory. We know he was a warlord, as that is the direct translation of his name, Vortigen. Vortigen? Yeah. Okay. Or Vortigen. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, I think I've heard of him, maybe. Okay. Would you prefer Vortigen or Vortigern? Oh, no, I'm getting confused with Vicengeterix. That's okay, a I'm guy. going for Vortigern. Yeah, okay. So, having expanded into the neighbouring territories, he was naturally surrounded by enemies. Because <laughs> the problem with actually doing well for yourself is... There Everybody are, else gets upset with you. <laughs> yeah, dozens of other little, um, you know, warlords who are going, actually, <laughs> he's starting to get scary now. Maybe we need to attack him. Let's yeah. team up. <laughs> yeah, and he was naturally beginning to get a bit paranoid that his days of being in power would be rather more brief than he would have liked. <laughs> so he must have thought the worst when three ships were spied on the horizon in 447. Right. They were chock full of Saxons. <laughs> and they were led by a pair of brothers called Hengist and Horsa. <laughs> Basically proto-Vikings. Uh, Just more German, less Scandi. Germanic, Germanic Vikings. These brothers were the sons of kings, and because this is a very sketchy story, like I've said, they mm. were directly descended from the god Woden. Oh, yeah. Well, hang on, isn't everyone? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. They were direct... Basically, Woden is Odin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they... Yeah, I suppose they were directly descended from the All-Father, which, as you've pointed out, isn't much of a claim. Yeah, he's the All-Father. The clue's in the frickin' name, guys. <laughs> Brew. <laughs> like, okay. Thor gets a pass because he's, like, first generation, and Loki's adopted, so, you okay. know... Well, when you go down, it's like, God, 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 Demi-God, yeah. the dad, them. So yeah. they're, they're, they're quite close to yeah. it. Yeah. They, <laughs> Well, they definitely I'm not made... feeling it. <laughs> whether, whether the story's true or not, they de- whether the story's true, there's just reasonable doubt. It might be true. I have no written record saying it's definitely not true. I've not seen their family trees. What do you want from me? 
I'm not... It's not Assassin's Creed, mate. It's not like if we do DNA testing, we're going to be like, my God, they actually are descended from the Aesir. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> do your own research. <laughs> well, either way, the story made an impression on Vortigern as they didn't... Yeah, you know, they, they didn't have the proof, but I think he was impressed by the story and also he was very, very thankful that they didn't immediately start raiding. Or using what he presumably their god-given powers. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they didn't raid. They didn't summon lightning and an army of bees. My God, aren't we lucky? <laughs> well, it was it was noted that this was unusual, and instead they agreed to meet with him at his castle, and they were able to strike a bit of a deal. Hillfort, surely. At his Dark Ages version of a castle, that yeah, probably wasn't a castle in the traditional sense. It was probably <laughs> mainly made of mud. Sorry, I, I don't mean to poop on your story. <laughs> I'm giving the guy props. Okay. But no, it probably wasn't as impressive as all that. So they agreed to meet with him in his rather larger than the average mud hut. And they struck a deal. The Saxons mm-hmm. would fight on behalf of Vortigern mm-hmm. uh, against all of the people who wanted to kill Vortigern, which apparently was everyone. Mm-hmm. And in return, they could live on the Isle of Thanet which is no longer an island, but it was at the time. Yeah, it's UKIP Central, that place as well, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's the home of the the Anglo-Saxons, apparently. You know, it's the first place that they were given somewhere to live. Now, Vortigern quite liked this because it meant they were literally on an island, so he could keep an eye on them. (laughs) But he had to basically send them tribute, so he had to send them regular supplies of food and anything that they might like. Uh, and they decided that they were both happy with the deal, and from that point on, they would all be super best friends. Well, that's pretty good. Which is great. So that's <laughs> step one of the plan complete. Yeah, I've got a pliant army of German lunatics living on a private island, and as long as I throw them food, everything's great. <laughs> this isn't Vortigern's plan. Oh, right. <laughs> this is Hengist's plan. Oh, okay. Almost immediately, Hengist and Horsa had the opportunity to fulfil their side of the deal by leading Vortigern's troops into battle against an invading army of Picts from Scotland who had managed to make it near All the way down south. Near enough to Kent. So they were, they were good, this <laughs> army. The Saxon contingent... Well, was, maybe they picked their battles. Oh, <laughs> and we've got the trail for the episode beautiful <laughs> so when I say the Saxons I'd like to apologise to everyone who can understand English <laughs> so when I say the Saxons were leading Vortigern's troops like literally you know there was there was all the Saxon troops and there were a bunch of Brits sort of following them along um <laughs> Do you know what we're doing? No, I've never even had a sword before. This is crazy. (laughs) The Saxons, they were a well-drilled fighting unit. They were used to pitch battles, and they took the lead, routing the picks so quickly that the English troops didn't have an opportunity to get involved at all. And yeah, we're reduced okay. to the status of spectators. <laughs> should we get involved? Oh, it looks like they're doing okay. <laughs> Maybe we should hang around here. <laughs> so basically, Vortigern's entire army went to provide spectators and to provide ambience. <laughs> well, as we've learned from football in COVID times, it is it is meaningful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You feel like the Saxons played extra hard because they had an audience. 
Yeah, that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm suggesting, yes. Now, even though they had the deal, uh, Hengist and Horsa, they went back to Vortigern, explained that they'd done all of the work <laughs> uh, while the English had contributed Sat by around. offering polite applause, <laughs> uh, and they asked for a bonus, which is fair enough. I mean, this army of Picts had come all the way from Scotland hmm. and had made it all the way... They'd made it through East Anglia, for God's sake, which was still <laughs> Fenland at that point. <laughs> they'd marched it... You know, this was yeah. a massive potential threat that they had just swatted away. Uh, and what they wanted as a bonus... Hengist, he wanted to build a castle. But he said, only a little one. <laughs> and probably a proper one, built to Germanic standards. You know, so actually of stone. <laughs> probably fully plumbed, I should imagine. I will be honest with you. <laughs> this hillfort business, this is not working for... <laughs> Your walls are literally made of shit. <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to say? It is shit. Made a, you're doing a French accent, what's going on? <laughs> Which is weird, because when I was supposed to be doing a French accent in an earlier episode, I did German. Yeah. You're just, you're just uh, confused by your extreme love of the EU. <laughs> I just want to be back in. That's what I want. Free trade. The bit is he said, I just want a little little castle. And Vortigern, he took him at his word and he decided to be a bit cheeky. And he said, you can build a castle. Mm-hmm. But to make sure it's only a very tiny one, you can only build it on the land that you can encircle with a leather thong. Mm. That's a strip of leather. Right, okay. Hengist, he went, do you know what? Deal. That's fine. <laughs> and he got his brother, Horsa, to carefully skin an entire bull, flaying the skin in a way not dissimilar to a spiralizer. <laughs> or, or, and, or like one of them fancy apple... Is that one of them fancy apple peelers? Uh, the spiralizer is the one that will make spaghetti strands out of anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So if you imagine, they probably got the cow on, like, it looked like a giant spit, and then they slowly rotated it as it took a tiny, like, three-millimeter width strip of flesh and just kept going. Yeah, so he had a strip of leather that he could easily use to encircle a rather large rocky outcrop. Um... <laughs> And upon this, he built his imposing fortress, which he called Thancaster. Which sounds pretty cool, yeah? Yeah. Would you like the English translation? Um, big rock. Mm, that, w- that would be better, because Hengist, yeah. exile prince of the Saxons, he set up his base of operations in the imposing Thong Castle. <laughs> Every, everything's so literal <laughs> so German <laughs> Hengist, Lord, what will we call this castle? Well, I got it with a thong, so th- thong castle? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry confuse people. We aren't known for our imaginations that's why I hired the English parts <laughs> I'm just imagining there's like a whole bunch of German people, he's a solid name and all the English people being like, Jesus Christ <laughs> It it makes reference to its origins. Yeah. Brilliant. People will be able to follow this through history, regardless of whether you like the name or not. I personally do. I think it's more more imposing if like, and if they capture you, they'll take you to the prisons in Thong Castle. <laughs> That's more unnerving. Step two of the plan complete. He's got a castle. Yeah. More it's all ba- good. More battles were won by the Saxons, and Hengist asked because he was doing so much of the work, to be made a senior advisor to Vortigern. Mm-hmm. 
but Vortigern refused, saying that his English lords would not accept a page, uh, a page, a pagan in such a senior position because not Christian, yo. Well, why would you be? Like he, he apparently his great grandfather was an actual god or something. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't convert to Christianity. <laughs> why would I worship him? I'll just worship you know great times whatever granddad That's what, he's, he's worshipping Woden which <laughs> considering he's directly related it'd be a bit awkward if he didn't yeah um, exactly so and I'm he saying, didn't, he didn't call Vortigern on his casual racism and said okay you don't want to make me a senior advisor how about I send for more Saxons so <laughs> that I can have some reinforcements because we're doing a lot of fighting because you have a lot of energy you have tons of enemies, Vortigern. And, and apparently most of your subjects are just lazy or Yeah, or you, have, you have a lot of enemies. Um, when you say you have an army, we've not seen them fight yet. <laughs> so you really are relying on us. Mm. <laughs> and even, even worse, Hengist and Horsa, they, they've been hearing about rumours of possible attempts to overthrow him from within his own forces. They couldn't tell you <laughs> where they heard this and they didn't have the documents, but it was super serious. Super serial guy. Yeah. And playing on Vortigern's paranoia worked, and they were given permission to send for boatloads of Saxons to come and take advantage of the situation. I'm shaking my head. You can't see it, but I'm shaking my head. Yeah. No, no, they, I, I, I misspoke. They weren't coming to take advantage of. They were coming to support Vortigern. Yes. Support. Yes. <laughs> support him into a grave. <laughs> well, we can tell that they were being supportive because Hengist apparently sent a message home which said the following. British are worthless fighters. Land is rich. Yeah, and which, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I mean, if that isn't clear, then yeah. I don't know what is. They he's, want to support Vortigern. He's clever enough not to quite, vocally, you know, explicitly lay it all on the line. <laughs> not quite. <laughs> but crucially, amongst this second cohort were Hengist's sons... And more importantly than his sons, his daughter, Rowena. Mm. So the boats full of Saxons, they rock up. And Hengist insisted that he throw a banquet to welcome his kin, to make sure that his daughter was okay with the sea journey, to make sure that his sons were doing okay. And Vortigern was invited as the guest of honour because obviously they were all there for Vortigern. He was, he was the local king. He was the person they were all there to support. Yes, um, it's all about Vortigern. Yeah, well, it was because Hengist made sure that his daughter kept filling up Vortigern's cup, gave him a little flirt, <laughs> a little cheeky wink. Uh, <laughs> and she kept this up all night until eventually Vortigern, after knowing this lady a couple of hours, wanted to stood up and announced that he wanted to marry her. Delightful. Yeah. Now, you'd think... <laughs> I know all the German sex tricks. <laughs> I will marry you. <laughs> this... There's, there was quite an age gap, and you'd think that maybe Hengist as the father and Horser as the uncle would be object so sure. or maybe get involved. Yeah. Well, they they did get involved because Horser he he announced the fact that he was uh, able to officiate a wedding ceremony, <laughs> uh, and he did. He rattled one off at the at the um, immediately, <laughs> yeah, uh, and sent the new couple off to bed to make sure it was super consummated before uh, Vortigern. Yeah, that's what you want. That's what you want on your wedding night. You want your uncle watching to make sure it's consummated while you you get with your old man husband. Amazing. Well, this wasn't... I may shock you, this was not a marriage for love because the next (gasps) morning... 
<laughs> the next morning, and probably with a massive hangover to contend with, Vortigan was informed that he had given the Saxons Kent in return for Rowena's hand in marriage. Even worse, <sighs> Hengis arrived in his royal bedchambers and announced that because he was now Vortigan's father-in-law, hmm. he was going to appoint himself not only as a counsellor, but as chief counsellor. Because right. you listen to your father. Yeah, he does have the law on his side. Yeah. <laughs> and as you know, getting people to accept you as their surrogate father is the way that you quell anyone <laughs> and make them do what you want, a la Alfred the Great and the Vikings. It's true. Like, you, you, like, once you said the words, you're the daddy, you, mm. you can't... Like, and it like, may be that this was exactly where Alfred the Great was taking that play from. I mean, the only thing you've got left is, like... If you, if you want to claim back any kind of respect, the, your only option is to kill them. Like that's it. You can't do it. Like anything less than that is like, yeah, he's still the daddy, though. <laughs> well, you see, there was probably only one person who was feeling worse than Vortigern at this point, and that would be the Lord of Kent, who was about <laughs> to be informed that he was out of a job. Uh, Hengist's sons—they claimed the lands in the north of England, and they said they were doing this ostensibly just to protect from the Scots. Mm-hmm. Um, Just so perfectly logical. Yeah. So step three of the plan. Complete. We're done. <laughs> the Saxons were now in effective control of England and Vortigern was too busy lusting after his new wife to even care. I, well, I at imagine- least he's having a happy ending. Like, you know, where I was expecting this going was Hengis going, right, you are now married to my daughter and I stab you. <laughs> well, I think he's seen what's happened. He's like, I've lost that, but they're going to keep me as a figurehead and I have a young, lusty... German princess mm-hmm. who, in order to keep up appearances, has to share my bed. And at least I don't have to worry about being killed because everybody knows I don't have any power. <laughs> Just living the king dream. He, he may have seen it as a win-win. Yeah. Unfortunately, or luckily, depending on your point of view, his son was paying attention, Vortigan's <laughs> son, and he decided to lead the English nobles to try and drive the Saxons out of the country. Mm. Vortimer... Vortimer. Twas the well, son's name. There's a name I've never heard of before, so yeah. I'm doubting he's going to be successful. Really? Because he won battle after battle. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Fair and enough. he even managed to kill Horsa. Ah, oh, but not Hengist. No. Uh. He, he did force Hengist back onto his boat, and the Saxons were forced back and back and back until they had to get on their boats and go back to mainland Europe. Oh, well, congratulations, Vortimer. Yeah, well, yeah, his inheritance was secure and Vortimer returned to his father's side where he was promptly poisoned by Rowena. <laughs> it's going so well. Yeah. <laughs> Those cunning Germans, they're just on another level, man. <laughs> well, not only did she manage to poison him, uh, she managed to convince her husband that she hadn't poisoned him, despite being the only person in the entirety of the British Isles with motive. Because all the other people who have motive had been sent to the continent. Uh, And she turned it around and said, the fact that your son was poisoned goes to show that you are not safe, my lord. Ah, What you need is you need some trusted people who could protect you and who protected you in the past. And she convinced Vortigern that he needed to invite Hengist back. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are we sure this guy hadn't gone like full senile or something? Well, I mean, the argument she said was, wasn't your son fighting a load of battles recently? Oh, d- if there's lots of battles, that means you're probably under attack. 
<laughs> and he completely forgot who his son was fighting against because she showed him her German assets. And he... Huge tracts of land. <laughs> yeah, he just agreed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this time, I mean, Hengist, he wasn't happy. His brother had been killed. The plan had been disrupted. So, <laughs> which, which probably annoyed him more as a German. <laughs> yeah. And probably also he, he'd seen, you know, a message from his daughter going, I've poisoned his son and I've... He's inviting him. you back. Yeah, he's inviting you back and went... Why am I being subtle? There was this, no, this guy's too stupid. Yeah, I, I no don't need to respect him. I could have just slapped him in the face when I first met him and went, all of this, mine. <laughs> and he would have smiled and started Nodded. humping my leg like a, an obedient dog. Um, so he decided he was going to be upfront about things and he invited all the English and Saxon nobles to a meeting at a monastery in order to iron out any misunderstandings there have been. <laughs> I am the king now. <laughs> if you don't like it, I will stab you in the face. <laughs> well, the, the English, they were concerned that he might do something like that, and they, they pointed out that he had quite a few warriors with him. But he reassured them and said he'd only brought the warriors because he'd not heard that Vortimer was dead, <laughs> which is weird considering his daughter had sent him a message saying, I've killed Vortimer, why don't you come over? Um, mm. But he said, I was just worried for my safety. Vortimer, he was a strong man. He was a clever man. He was he was a competent man. So I was worried. <laughs> but luckily, he's not here. <laughs> but, you know, he said, in, in, in good faith, you can send home back to Germany anyone that you don't like the look of as soon as we're done with this meeting. <laughs> and Vortigern, who was leading the English nobles for some reason... He agreed to this because, of course, he did. He was going to agree to anything. Yeah. Um, Magic Rowena was telling him it was yeah. all fine. And after the English had begun to, they'd begun to think that this was actually a meeting in good faith, Hengist shouted out, Get your knives! <laughs> Which was a subtle, subtle cue. <laughs> what could that possibly mean? And the Saxons pulled out their concealed weapons, I'm assuming they were knives, and stabbed 460 English nobles to death. Oh, wow. So I was, I was wrong, actually. He didn't even give them a choice. He was just, I'm just going to kill them all. Yeah, it's just easy. <laughs> the only one they spared was Vortigern. Who was presumably very happy about this. Well, no, they spared him so that he could sign all of his territories over to the Saxons so they could have the veneer of respectability after a massacre. Nice. At this point, Vortigern started to suspect that maybe, <laughs> maybe the Saxons weren't on his side and he decided he needed to flee. So he ran to Scotland. Because Home of the Picts, who have the always Picts, been his friends. The Picts and the Caledonians and all that. But also, crucially, thanks to his ineptitude, the only place that wasn't overrun by Saxons at the time. So he really was out of options. Um he had quite a short retirement as he was quickly burned alive in a tower by a man called Aurelius Ambrosius. And oh, wow, so somebody was pretending to be a Roman up in Scotland. <laughs> well, he was, he was planning to kick out the Saxons and he had the common sense to think, well, actually... I need to get this absolute disaster out of the way first. Yeah, if I kick them out and he's still around, he will be sending invites before they've even got <laughs> over the horizon. Miss you. <laughs> Come back soon. <laughs> Bring more women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Aurelius, he met Hengist in battle near Doncaster and the Saxons were defeated. <laughs> and they got on really well, no, <laughs> went no, to the no. bar afterwards. He did what he said. He went, he met him in Doncaster and he beat the crap out of the Saxons. Hengist himself was overcome by a wave of English troops and he was hacked to pieces. Nice. Brutal. Aurelius was declared king. Mm-hmm. Because the thing about Hengist all this time, he, he comes across as a master mali- manipulator and somebody who's able to game a system and can play these politics. Mm. But it might have just been because the actual He's guy running the, the system simpleton. was an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's easy to look good when your opponent is so poor. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> I've been um, on the wrong end of that one too many times. <laughs> well, it's like, you know playing a Southampton team that aren't up for it, you are going to beat them 9-0, but it doesn't mean that, you know, you're good. It's just that <laughs> happens occasionally to Southampton. <laughs> Thank you for sparing Liverpool blushes. <laughs> I, you gave us Harvey Elliott. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> well, you loaned we're, us Harvey we're, Elliott. We're definitely having him back because we need that. <laughs> we need players who can actually play football. Because <laughs> all of ours have forgotten how. <laughs> well... Hengist was apparently a hack to pieces. And the story goes, because this is a story, this is not history. Yeah, we've got nothing. <laughs> this is not history. Because, you know, I said um, a wizard was involved. Yeah. Before he died, mm. uh, Vortigern met with Merlin. Who of course told, he did. Who told him that the Saxons would be driven out by the true kings of England and told him how he was going to die. Yet, weirdly, he still went into a tower. I'd, yeah. If I was told I was going to burn to death in a tower, I would avoid towers for the rest of my life. Yeah, but as we've previously established, he was really thick. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Hengist hacked to pieces, the final blow apparently delivered by the only other survivor of the Knight of the Long Knives. The Is that original, really what it was called? Yeah, the original Knight of the Long Knives. Huh? Um, who, Not the Hitler one. <laughs> yeah, Hitler was just rehashing. No, that's all he did was rehash Saxon myth. Jig. Even in this, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was actually the reason he called it that. But anyway. Did Hitler call it that? Mm. Was it Was it like... No, he, he called it the, the night where nothing happened, shut up. <laughs> night of the long knives. The, na- the night where a load of people realised ah, they were we wrong and stabbed themselves because they realised I was right and yeah, they were was... wrong and shut up. It was actually called Operation Hummingbird within the Nazis. So. Oh, that's lovely. I don't know why. It seems to be like... It's gonna, really... We're going to name all of our operations after the, the cutest of animals, just to really unnerve the opposition. Oh, it was, it was just a code word that was chosen because it was meaningless. Oh, that's a shame. I'd have loved that. You know? We must instigate Operation Hedgehog now! <laughs> Operation Panda Cub has failed. Oh, apparently also the phrase Knight of the Long Knives in the German and Germanic language group predates these uh, killings mm. and refers generally to acts of vengeance. Wow. I, I like to be corrected. So, fair enough. Even yeah, It might be that this, this incident is like the original one. Well, we don't know. I mean, Hengist might have just been rehashing something from before. I mean, if we're talking about long knives, bloody Julius Caesar as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know. But either way, we've we've gone way off on a tangent. Aurelius (laughs) was declared king. King of the Britons. Yep. And after him, his brother Uther Pendragon took the throne. Oh, God. And he eventually passed it on to his son, Arthur. Yeah. However, although they killed Hengist, 
His sons retained their strongholds in the north of England and eventually the Saxons with the Angles and the Jutes who didn't get the name recognition they deserved. Yeah, I was going to say that Jutland ended up in sodding Holland, didn't it? (laughs) They would come to replace almost all of the original Celtic inhabitants of the British Isles. All because of one paranoid and horny warlord from Kent. (laughs) Yeah, but it also shines a poor light on King Arthur. He's so mythic and brilliant. He failed completely. Jackass. So, again, an extra disclaimer at the end of this story. Pretty much all of what I've just said is untrue. Yeah. The fact that I could legitimately have given Merlin a speaking part. (laughs) It's a good good story about an idiot and a a German who manipulated him. (laughs) But what is true is that the Roman withdrawal from Britain left a power vacuum that the local population, after centuries of subjugation, were unable to fill. The Saxons were able to take advantage of the situation and as a result they imposed their culture and values onto Britain to the point that local cultures were all but destroyed. By the 7th century, the kingdoms of Northumbria, Mercia, East Anglia and Wessex were the big powers in England, and they were all Anglo-Saxon in origin. How exactly mm. this came about, we can't be certain of, because, as we said at the start, this no was records. the Dark Ages, <laughs> and most of the sources we have about the time were written hundreds of years later by people who had clear bias motives, and whose work contains references to wizards, dragons, and gods, alongside yeah. people we can only be pretty sure actually existed and yeah. others we are definite did not i mean you know you say that but there's no evidence like literally like for maybe for 400 years it was just like magic wars the harry pottering you know what i mean the harry pottering yeah. why not oh, i quite like that actually and then and then, every, and then like all the wizards sort of went hang on this has gone a bit far back into hiding you know what i mean well if you're following that strain of logic it got to the point where you had um, you know, Alfred the Great, and he just went, no, stop that. <laughs> the rest of the world is looking at us with our dragons and our wizards. And they're and thinking, our... these are not people who do business. <laughs> like, if I went to Europe and said I was king because some watery bint had thrown a simica at me, they'd say I was mad. <laughs> they would ask me to kill and keep killing until I had proven it. <laughs> but... I just love the fact that even though um, one of the things that I say to Americans and that is often held up is we have this long, continuous history that we can trace back mm. so far, there is a massive chunk of it that we it's know made up nonsense. <laughs> through the works of, I think it's like four monks, mainly. Yeah. And it's it's quite clear that they were writing a narrative for the people in power at the time, so... To legitimise whoever was yeah, king what in it basically like 845 was is, or whatever. Yeah, yeah th- this is the thing that shows that this person should be king. And as you know from Machiavelli's The Prince and so many other things, it's it's all written with a person in mind as the reader. Yeah. It's the reason that some of Shakespeare's plays are tilted the way they are. There's a reason that he makes reference to the Berwick witch trials <laughs> um, in Macbeth. You know, because he's, he's thinking about his audience. He's like, hmm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go along with what you said. <laughs> and yeah. history thus tweet, treated him kindly. Truth to power is a tricky concept. <laughs> you get away with it as long as the power shifts. <laughs> Otherwise, you will be relegated. 